Hello, welcome into the charge down. Um, yeah, uh, so we've been away for a while, uh, but we're back now. And the rugby is really taking off now. Um, just to give you a quick overview of the show, we'll be doing... First, we'll be going over kind of the lines tour so far, so two games in, just who, who's on the rise, who's on the fall, what do we think so far. Then we'll be going into a bit more detail on Ireland versus Japan. Um, similar kind of four matches, who we thought played well, who caught the eye, and uh, also what we thought of Japan and Ireland tactics, etc. And then finally, at the end, we'll be doing maybe 10 minutes or less of just anything else that kind of caught the eye i'm conscious that i said caught the eye about three times now uh so i need catching weekend (laughs) i know i need to i need to find a better has been brought to our attention (laughs) we have been informed of (laughs) yeah i I need to find a better i don't even know what to say phrase than caught the eye but it's just such a handy phrase he's a one it's pretty (laughs) eye-catching all right (laughs) um okay um okay so we'll jump into the lions so the lions played japan uh, was it a week two weeks ago i can't remember uh then they played against the sigma lions in south africa and on and the other side of that is the springboks have played georgia there on the friday night um so i don't know which which one of you guys wants to give me your thoughts um i didn't see much of the South Africa Georgia match, where I heard the Georgian scrum pushed them around. And if that's not true, I have nothing else to add to that. Uh, I I would kind of be a little bit worried um, that the South Africans eventually got on top and their replacement tight head, Franz Malherbre, yeah. uh, was very good. Um, it took a good bit of time, though, didn't yeah, it? Like, it did. Maybe uh, it's probably just a testament to. Uh, the length of time that South Africa have been out of the mix in terms of international rugby, but like I was well, surprised... Georgia being out though. True. True, but I was surprised at how Georgia could stick with them for as long as they did. Like I think up until something like thirty three minutes, it was uh Georgia in the lead, I think, like nine six or something, until I wouldn't say the floodgates opened, but South Africa seemed to start building a score from that point on but like i expected that to be a bloodbath from minute one which it really wasn't but again i didn't watch too much of it i just caught uh i was keeping track of the score as it was on and watched the highlights then but um yeah no i i wonder now if if this is showing good signs for us because i think south africa like mate let's say from prior to last world cup if you put them up against georgia I can't imagine Georgia would have been able to live with them for as long. So, mm. yeah, for whatever the reasons, it's uh, it's interesting. They did have some players, like they were loading new blokes as well and maybe going with uh, less established guys. I thought that a fairly fassy guy on the wing was quite... Uh, yep. He for, he's 23, that was his first cap. And, yeah, uh... yeah. Seems like the prototypical South African wing, like just... Speedy, rangy guy, athletic who can just kind of glide past people and <laughs> sprint in a straight line very well. Mm. Which uh, he, he probably won't be. Maybe he'd be on the bench for the tests, like 
because mm. they obviously have such a wealth of riches there that I I can't imagine they'd unless he absolutely takes things by storm. I can't imagine they'd bump one of the more established guys to to include him. But you know, an injury or two, and you might see him or say like Roscoe Speckman, who I thought was around before, but seemingly he was uncapped prior to this match as well. X sevens convert. Yeah, he made his name in sevens. Mm. Um, Another player, actually, who who I'm quite interested in, <laughs> uh, who also made his name in sevens, who was playing there for South Africa, Quagga Smith. Mm. He's a he's a back rower, but he doesn't look like your typical South African back rower. He's um, quite small. Like I think mm. uh, I was I noticed some prior to last World Cup. I think he may have got an injury in the, the group stages of that World Cup or something. He was in the squad anyway, I, I think. But it looks like, assuming he is going to be starting in the back row, that might be sort of a a counter pick to Warren. What we believe is Warren Gatton's plan of sort of picking a more, I guess, fitness orientated, like last a full eighty minutes sort of squad pick, where maybe size isn't to be all and end all. So I think if if that is the case, like Quagga Smith will be the perfect inclusion to kind of maybe pick someone like that in in your own squad for Razzie, because mm. he he does it's like I mean I watched the highlights of him from Sevens just to get a sense of what he was like from that and uh, yeah like he's he's kind of like a hybrid type player he, he plays a bit like a back and a bit like a forward so I don't know. It, Sam could, Simmons of South Africa. Yeah, exactly. It, it, like it could be, we could actually see sort of not a big arm wrestle. I think, which would be cool because I know I know like South Africa usually have their their physicality game, but I'd like to see them kind of if the lines are going for a more run around them type tactic. I'd like to see them try and maybe adapt to that, and I think it will result in perhaps more entertaining games if less yeah. tense ones. But uh. Um. Well, from my watching of the uh, the Georgia game, um, uh, Evan Etzebeth caught my eye pretty much because he was constantly getting into fights and stuff. And classic. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of hard to miss him too because he's like uh, whatever, like two hundred and three centimeters, one hundred and seventeen kilos. He's just an absolute mountain of a man. Mm. Um. Uh, and like I was saying, the replacement prop they brought on, Franz Malherbe or whatever, um, very, very good as well. Um, their hooker, Bongi... Bongo Mbanambi. Yeah, that's it. Um, I'm very impressed with him. Um, yeah, I I think the box... I don't know. Like, I like your idea that they might come out and try and um, be a bit more mobile. But, well, I um... wonder if they're going to strike a balance sort of thing because mm. like, he just doesn't... And even before, before this whole line saw, and I was looking at him like as a box background. You just look at him and you think like he's just not box material. Like, didn't they refuse Stander on the basis that he was too small or whatever? Yeah. But I guess that was a hooker, so a different position. But uh, you just kind of oh, look at him and he, think he was a back row. Was he? I thought he was hooker. Play hooker. Okay. Oh yes, yes, you're correct. But um, the likes of Peter Stafford, Dwayne Vermeule, and Khaleesi, like these are mountain men and then you have Quagga Smith who just nearly looks average by comparison well, obviously now, now, we say he looks average by comparison <laughs> is that compared to the international forward exactly. or the South African international forward like? <laughs> well 
I just saw there, um, Jesse Creel is taller and heavier. So that gives you an idea. Dan Quagga, yeah. Well, on the official website, so. That's crazy. And Jesse Creel doesn't even look, he's obviously ripped to fuck if you've seen any pictures of him, but he doesn't, uh, he doesn't look massive or anything like so. Mm. Yeah, that'll, like, it remains to be seen whether he actually starts him against the Lions. He may not, he may, Mm. may not even have him in the starting day squad, but. Just a player I find quite interesting because he kind of books that trend of uh, South African mm. largeness. Okay. Um, Rob, just you said about uh, Bongo and Banambi. I'm curious, yep. who would you have starting at hooker, assuming the top two are Marks and Mbanambi? What, what would you? I'd probably go Mbanambi. Um, <laughs> just based off, I, I like. I, I think it's kind of up for grabs. Uh, Malcolm Marks is obviously very, very good. Um, mm. But like, yeah, I'd kind of just go with the hot hand, whoever I think is in in better form. Now, um, the thing with the South Africans is though, they have an entire tight five they bring on and they bring them on early. Yeah. Um, most of them actually play different than the guys who play. Like Marks and Bongi are very different hookers, but they play them mm. nearly a half each. Yeah. Um, the same with when Beast was playing and. Uh, Who's their loose head at the World Cup? Hitchoff. Is he a yes, tight head? Yeah. He's loose head. Um, their tight heads were like Cock and uh, Malherbe and mm. someone else is around. But like they'll replace a tight five. And I'm, I'd be interested to see if they do keep that 6 2 split on the bench, um, which is made mainly possible by Fran Syme. Mm. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, just to go back to the, the, um, the place, I think this won't be much different than the box, the World Cup. Hmm. What's, your, what's your basis for this? They won't have too much time. Like they have a couple of months now together, hmm. and they'll have a couple of games against not really top end tests teams. Hmm. Um, maybe they will. Maybe they come out with a bit different. But considering it's like a, they need to win two games, hmm. it's essentially a knockout almost. Hmm. Rugby. I, I see them being quite similar to what they had. Mm. All right. So um, one one area that I think is incredibly important for them is uh, the nine ten axis. Mm. Like okay, so like Cobus Reinhardt and Faf de Klerk at the nine are obviously they have good depth at nine. I think yeah. uh, mm. from what I can see, Reinhardt was highly thought of at Northampton when he left. I saw a lot of the Northampton fans are quite upset, and like I only ever. Well, I suppose I only ever saw Northampton through through the guys of highlight reels or whatever. But he seemed to routinely be kind of the driver of the team, and obviously we know what Faf de Klerk is capable of. He was the starting nine for South Africa, I think, in the World Cup. Yeah. So he's again, we know his quality. But like, if you look outside them, then at ten, I think you start to see the importantness of them because, like Elton Yankees, Mornay Stain, and then Pollard. You know, to me, one of them is quality, Pollard. He seems to be back from injury, but like, let's say early in the first test, Pollard goes down. Mm. I don't think Elton Yankees, he's had his, he had, he's had his time to prove himself. I don't mm. think, uh, I don't think he's yeah. a world class 10. And Mornay Stein, well, I mean, he's a point yeah. sticker. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's a point um, sticker. I remember we were talking about him last time that he's, he's back in the squad. And so I looked it up. I forgot how many records he broke in his like his first couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. He scored like um, 
the most points against anyone versus New Zealand in a match. He scored like 38 points in a game. Um, he's the fastest Springbok to 100 points, fastest to whatever. Just that, that period of time when South Africa were really good and the laws favoured someone who could ping penalties over all the time. Yep. Can he still live up to that level? I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, like, like He might be a good goal kicker still, but they probably need a bit more than that. Well, to me, it just screams of lack of depth in that position. Yeah, you know well, what I mean. Like, they, like Lambie has retired. Um, who's that guy who went down? Was it Pollard who went to Racing? Yeah. Uh, oh, um, no, that's Goosen. Goosen, Goosen, yes. Uh, like so, they're 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 two tens there. Okay, Lambie might be a bit old at this stage, but like two tens there that are gone. Plus, how many guys are floating around the? Um, Top fourteen and the Premiership that probably could have played. Yeah. Um, okay, do you wonder... want to, we pivot now uh, to um, Lions? The, yeah, the the other team. <laughs> <laughs> the the other oh. team. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like I like talking about things I know nothing about because <laughs> odds are some of the listeners also know nothing about it, so I can play any hand I want. <laughs> Okay, well, what do you know about the, or what do you not know about the Lions, and um, who caught your eye in those opening two games? Or I need to need to come up with something better than catch your eye. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize you did it again. Uh, well, I suppose Josh Adams. You can't really. Mm. Yeah, and I was talking to Dave yesterday about it, mm. and in my mind, for wings and back three in general, you had like I you had pick three from Hog. Williams, Watson, and L or Z, Louis, Louis, Louis Samus. I always have to list out the acronym first, mm. um, and that's it. But Josh Adams is really like if you score four tries in one first mm. match and second match, plus score in the first one, like it's it's going to put your name in contention. Yeah, you can't like look at that and say uh, he's not going to do it for you in because he's. He's an established player in Welsh mm. rugby now for a couple of years, so he's been doing it at the highest level as well. It's not like he's just popped up out of nowhere and suddenly got four tries in a match. Not that he got four tries before, but you know his quality is protracted over a lengthy period of time now. So yeah. to look at that and just say it's a freak occurrence is probably not correct. Mm. But um, yeah, no, I think... Uh, I think Hogg also staked a big claim. Yeah. He mm-hmm. um he just his leadership I think is a is a big part because with Alan Wynn pulling up with his uh dislocated shoulder or whatever. And not that there's a, a dearth of leadership in the team, but leadership on the field becomes that little bit more important. And Hogg has experience there and he's been online stores before and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And uh clearly a quality athlete, although Neil, you were saying Exeter dropped him, which I didn't actually realise. Yeah, they dropped him for this. He wasn't playing that great for Exeter. He didn't play well against us. Mm. Um, they dropped him, but he's, he looks good against a bad team, now we must say. This team yeah, was nowhere yeah. near competitive. But also, aren't some of the South African venues like super high altitude or something? So I don't think they are now. Okay. Uh, so in general, they are. But yeah. I think for this tour now, it might be changed in that relapse. Yeah, We're not the, playing any tests at altitude, I don't think. Um, that could be completely wrong. That could be information I got when things were still up in the air. So, yeah. I, I, I think as 
Um, I saw Mary Kinsler posted a gif of Josh Adams sucking air, and yeah. he mentioned the altitude. So, um, I think yeah, they're scheduled to one test at altitude, but I think there's a huge caveat that everything could be changed to like Cape Town or whatever. Or yeah, um, but yeah, just on hog like his his boot because mm. he has a fierce boot on him anyway. And then yeah, at altitude that could be like a. I guess a bit of a weapon. Not to say that Liam Williams is like some slouch on kicking, but I just think if you were to if you were to contrast them, I'd say Hogg probably has the better boot on him. Um, I I think it's interesting that Farrell will play twelve. I think he's been looked at at twelve in this tour. Yep. How, um, how how did you think he got on with uh, Finn Russell? Finn Russell, I hate him so much. <laughs> I, I I would burst a corner a cornery if he was my ten. Uh, okay, I'll use that uh, as the the quote. Uh, <laughs> I just really hate when he laughs whenever he makes a big mistake. Mm. Like, okay, that's that's his way of getting over it, whatever. It's just if you were forward and you were you were really struggling to get position and you give it to Finn and he just kicks it in the fall and laugh. Like, how do you not throttle him on the way over? Mm. I, I just don't think he's um he's not he's third choice ten. Mm. Maybe you put him on the bench to change things up, but I I, I just don't trust him. I don't I don't, I don't know how you could. Mm. But the entertainment value. Yeah, but I entertainment here to win. Are you not entertained? Ben <laughs> <laughs> asks as he kicks the ball out of the fall and smirks glibly. I think Sinclair is really unlucky that um, Ty Furlong's in the team. Mm. Like it's just that difference between an excellent prop and a world class prop. Mm. I think Furlong is the world class pop, so he starts and he's playing well. Well, Sinclair's doing everything well, or doing everything right, I should say. Um, Speaking um, of Sinclair, yeah. um, one thing I've noticed that the English players seem to be doing, or some of the English players, yeah. including the squad, and I could, maybe they're being coached by I don't know who, but particularly with Sinclair Farrell as well, um, they seem to be lying on the wrong side of the rooks to slow down ball. And I just, I don't know, I said it to you, Neil, about Sinclair, but I saw it in Farrell there and the uh, one yesterday as well. They make um, it very obvious, though, that they're not trying to block it, if you know what I mean. I know, but it strikes me as the kind of thing that might get said to a ref before a test, yeah. and then they're so used to doing it that they'll be doing it for, like, the first 30 minutes until they get pinged for it, like, four times, and then, you know, the damage is already done. But it just annoys me because it seems, it's so obvious once you notice it, and it's a bit... I think on sportsmen. I I thought Japan were doing it a lot against Ireland. We'll obviously come to that match, but like maybe it's just a thing people are doing a lot. Could be just the hot thing. Yeah. But, I, uh, I think it's, it's a bit harsh to penalise them if they're doing everything to get out of the way, even if it's the, the intent is to slow down the ball. Hmm. It's just they seem to be pref- preferring to end up on the opposition side on the ground. It's like awkward for the scrum map, and it just yeah. Ireland used to do a variety of this where we kind of rolled away. But they ping, they, they cut, they clamp down on that like, while back. Um, and t- another thing I noticed is only a small thing. Uh, laws seems to be a bit of a penalty magnet of breakdowns. Mm-hmm. I think he's given away three or four quite sympathetic ones. I would say that like he didn't, they weren't really necessary, so to speak. Yeah, and no, I, I wonder how much of that is he's, he's playing six. Mm-hmm. So like he's like he's not a, I wouldn't say he's not a natural six, but like. A back row or it's generally more agile and quicker than him. So he might be hitting those rooks just getting there in time and being a bit sloppy. Yeah. I it's like when someone like when Toner hit rooks, sometimes 
he just couldn't get there quick enough. So it was ineffective, or he gave away the penalty with mm. someone who was like a bit more agile, gets there and can get lower and clear out. Did did you, did any of you guys see um, his neck roll thing? Yeah, yeah. that's that's a, that's the part of the discussion. Like mm. that was one of them. But it's it's like. It's, it's annoying to have you try this aloud, but it's just a more general aspect of his play that I've noticed. Mm. Like, uh, thing is, like, I don't see him enough in in uh, like Premiership rugby to say if this is an aspect of his game or if as it's always been part of us. And um, now it's great when you're on top because it really, really hurts you, and it's always great to have someone on the edge. And sometimes you don't get pings, but when England aren't playing well, it's like, oh, why are you doing this dumb stuff? Mm. Yeah, and I mean, it's one like I don't know about you guys, but when I see a thing about a certain player, I tend to just hyper focus in on that one thing. So his contributions all over the field in every other way could have been brilliant because I just saw he got nine out of ten there on the Irish Times player ratings. I know you guys don't like that, but I fucking love it for some reason. Uh, so you know, he could be marvelous in every other aspect, but I just hyper focus in on that thing. Um, is there? We've been pretty positive so far. Is there anyone that's kind of? I don't know. We're only two games in, but is there anyone who's kind of? I don't want to say it. Um, Duhan. Uh, well, Duhan. He just didn't do enough. What? Um, I, 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 yeah. The thing is, like, when you're in this position, he has to excel on that match and the next match he plays to get into that team. Like, I yeah. mean, you have to say, like, that Josh Adams performance. Like you have to get four tries against Japan or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's he was just a bit. He's he's a. They call them flat track bullies because they're really good when it's just mm. like a flat track. Um, it's a bit harsh, but like he's like that. Mm. Kind of like James Lowe to a degree, like where it's. Yeah. Okay. He's great going forward and doing this or that, but like when he needs that full on. All round player, and he have those choices. In the squad, I think he's pretty much out of the twenty-three. Out All of right. consideration for us. Well, you I see, think... you see, Neil, you're not looking at it in the crafty Warren Gatlin manner. Mm. He will have him in the squad, so they can interpret the Afrikaans' calls. <laughs> he's twenty miles away, <laughs> <laughs> doing sign language to his other the other teammates, trying to build him in on what he thinks he heard. But I now, yeah, I his game was hurt by the first game he played. His chances. Mm. He looked really unfit. Yeah. That's funny how someone like you squid rugby as an example. Like he's analyzing that first match and he's saying the good play from Japan. And it's like a tricky line out move, he says. I was like, Fala did to make a tackle. They ran mm. right at him and he got knocked over and he scored. Like it's it's I don't know if he's he just doesn't want to criticize them or he doesn't see that as He's, he's kind of, he kind of said like Falteo was play, out playing out position at seven, which is true, but that's just a one-on-one tackle five meters out from your line. Like he was he was really unfit for the first game. He's a bit better today, I thought, or yesterday. Mm. Well, um, I wonder how much you're just uh, downing the Falteo. So because I expected him, because because Falteo in my mind was nailed on number eight. Yeah, I thought Conan maybe at six, maybe a bench, maybe good. But when I saw him on. The Japanese match, I was like, this guy is not fit at all. Mm. Like he's so unfit that like that I heard his chances. Um so he has to build from that. Like I imagine by the time the tests come around he'll be fit enough. So yeah. then like it's on Conan to put on a big performance. Um interesting to see how Curry plays. He's pretty much the only back rower I think who hasn't 
call it um, game time. Like Simmons has got twenty minutes. He's okay in it against a weak team. Mm. I don't know um, if I've ever seen Curry play badly though, so I don't expect yeah. him to play badly. But I don't know if he's if he's in if he's on Warren Gatton's radar for the starter position. I don't know what position. Yeah, I have I have a feeling like Gatlin maybe has his mind made up already to some degree, but maybe Curry is included in that. Yeah. I don't know, but um, yeah, yeah Burn... I don't think many players have ruled themselves out of contention. No, definitely. I think not. I think um, Sutherland is pretty much number one, number one for me. All right. I thought he was pretty good, and I think the others were mm, not that great. Again, only a short period of time to judge them on. Mm. Uh, that seems like a logical place to. Well, I suppose with with the kind of we have here in the notes. Um, is there any general things, thoughts, or we kind of covered it all, really, haven't we? Well, yeah, probably, like, we like, talk about Alan Wynn a bit, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. The the leadership vacuum. Alan Wynn, Connor Murray's now the captain. Seems a bit cursed, doesn't it? Like, yeah. how and, many how many how many rooks has that man been at in his lifetime where he's hit in that mm-hmm. exact manner and been mm-hmm. totally fine? And then, like, what is it? Seven minutes into yeah. this nothing match, where it was just you well, know, all you have to do is not get injured. Paul O'Connell, like, is like literally the last rook, pretty much of the French game in the World Cup. Blows out his knee, never plays again. Mm. Like, if if we didn't, like, if memory serves, if we had the ball and lost it, like, if we just held on the ball for a second longer, he plays for a couple more years, probably. Well, um, crazy, like, yeah. but uh, I saw they um they said maybe it's not as serious as they initially thought. I, I think it's a, a dim hope. Like they're saying, it's not impossible, but he might be back. Okay, your helps. I did. I did find it a little bit ironic that um that I think that match was last Saturday, and uh, that morning's Irish Times there was a big full page spread Brian O'Driscoll's lines experience, mm-hmm. and in another way they they take quotes out of the article. Uh, and superimposing or yeah, and superimposing. One of the superimposed quotes was something along the lines of uh, if a captain is injured before the tour, I see no circumstances under which that captain should travel with the team. And then like what three or four hours after me reading that, Alan Wynn goes down and I'm just like, Wow, that was prophetic. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, if it's not as serious, then probably I guess wise to have him coming along. Especially like, you know, he is such a talismanic guy. No, I think I think if he's fit, if the surgery goes well or whatever, they might call him up again. But you don't bring him with you. I would if if it were me, I would. I know the COVID and all that probably means every every last person that you don't have with you is one less risk. But I don't know. To me, like him and Gatland, I think there, if it was like, a World Cup squad, you might keep him on. Yeah, but this is alliance tour, and now captain is Conor Murray. So you have to just. Yeah. Do you guys have any words for Conor Murray? Because um, because um, a lot of people, when I was looking up, um, uh, who did people think would replace Alan Wynn? Conor Murray never really entered it. To be honest, um, I wouldn't probably have him in the top ten. Mm. But like, it makes sense. Like he's an experienced player. Mm. Um, he's going to start now because he's captain. So they probably had him in mind as starter anyway. This is his third lines tour. He's been yep. at the squad from the very start, not like some of the players are coming in after the finals and semi-finals and stuff. Um, and he will have other leaders on the team with him. Mm. All right, t- tell me this. Is the captain of the tour always the captain of the team on match day? 
Uh, well, uh, if they're not in the team, then someone else is captain. Like yeah. Hogg was captain in that game on Saturday. No, you know what I mean? For the test, if yeah. assuming the captain of the tour is starting in the test, oh. is it oh, always that. assumed that that person is captain for that yeah. match? Because does Murray have captaincy experience? No. Nope. Yeah, it seems like... Uh, I like How much does the captain really do? <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like... It is, yeah. But you kind of say, you know, to throw someone totally green in that regard into the position. And I know everything you said makes entire sense, Neil, mm. with regard to why he would have been chosen. But then you look at it in a match day context and you say, well, surely that's the most important. Yeah. Is being the captain on the day yeah, and like, having the experience. The thing is you have to then drill down and stuff. Who's guaranteed the stars? I'd say Furlong, he's not really a captain. He's part of your senior group of players. Itoje. Itoje, again, not really a captain. Has yeah. he captained before? I, he might have captained games, but he's not a captain, like it's continuously captain. And, and you, uh, for me, when you go through... For me, it came down to Owen Farrell and maybe Itoje. Yeah. Owen Farrell might not start, though. Yes. So, And also, I would also throw the little carrot in that... Um, uh, Murray is very much a not neutral. I wouldn't say neutral choice, but inoffensive choice. Mm. Yeah, he gets on well with people. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think there's any problem in that case if Farrell was captain. It's just that when you look at a lot of players, like if I said Hogg was playing, you could say okay, he's making captain. But if I said Hogg wasn't playing, you, you wouldn't be surprised. Like you might disagree with us, mm. but you can say okay, you could put Williams there, you could put whoever there, or Watson. And it wouldn't be a great shock. If you said Farrell wasn't starting, he's was like, well, you got bigger and you got maybe Harris or Aki in centre with Henshaw. Mm. Um, Win Jones, not Win Jones, um, well, Choker. Ken Owens. Ken Owens, thank you. He's got captaincy as well, but he might not. Might, he might make the squad at all. Yeah. I think he was, I think he was good when I saw him, but. Mm. So. I'm obviously maybe over negativizing this, mm. but would you say Murray's pick was then the best of a bad bunch, so to speak? Kind of. Yeah. The thing is, you'll have a lot of leadership on the team, but you wouldn't have necessarily a ca- um, the captain you picked starting. I think if Sexton was there now, they probably would have given it to him. Hmm. But I think it makes sense. It is a um, weird one, though, you have to say, for a player who doesn't have an mm. established career captaincy kind of vibe to now be captain of such such an important thing. Yeah. Well, hopefully uh, like it all works out well and he does a great job, but and I don't think he I, I don't think it'll impact him negatively. Hmm. But uh just none of us saw it coming, I think so. I think what's the uh, difference between this tour and last is lack of captains in the back row. Mm-hmm. Like Watson has been captain, hasn't he? Of um Edinburgh at some point. Yeah. Aside from that, Byrne, not really. Conan, Falatow, Curry. Like, these are all guys who might have captained for a game or two, but none of them are really. But last time you had Sean O'Brien, Peter Manny, um, Warburton. Um, Like, that's the three players off the top of my head that have been captains Mm. of their country. Um, I I think it makes sense um, when you think about it, but it's not something I would have picked out of if you ask me. Okay. Um, that's kind of round up 
that kind of rhymes up all the lines kind of talk. Um, so then the other game, um, I don't know if you can hear that, but that's my dog. Um, he's scratching the carpet in my room. And he's lied down. Um, so so uh, the other game, which I thought was way more enjoyable, Ireland versus Japan. Um, yes. Sorry, I to get that out of my system. <laughs> yes, J- Japan were um, an absolute breath of fresh air. Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll hand it over to you guys. Um, Why? Tell me this, okay? Why can't other teams play like Japan? That that is a very good question. Um, I have this. I've written down the sentence: Japan are amazing, and I love them. They play smart, attractive, and effective rugby. Really feel we could learn so much from their style. Well, yeah, exactly. Why don't we find out what they're doing <laughs> and at least do some of it? Because it always felt like before Japan were capable of this kind of thing probably not to the same level and then they'd fall down on like the size aspect mm. of it but that's no longer the case so they have this this situation now where they're able to live with t- bigger teams or traditionally bigger teams historically but then also they have this like near perfect handling game where all the skills are there and they make so little errors and are not afraid to try on attack try weird shit that they know will work out it's just yeah i i want to send like as many spies and flies on the walls and moles and anything we can to japanese rugby hq and just find out what it is that is going right for them because like to me they're they're a team to aspire to be like Mm. i think you have to take a step back Mm -hmm. um like Japan are like that because that's the only way they can compete. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I have a lot of I had a lot of criticisms with the Irish team. And I was full of praise of the Japanese handling and their scoring ability, and it really is a joy to watch. Mm. We shut that game down from like twenty minutes out. <laughs> like even a not great Ireland team missing their lines and a few other senior internationals could bully that Japanese team. That's not too far off their strongest team. So we have to put in our praise of Japan and have that filter on it. Where, mm-hmm. like, this is great now, and there is no excuse for to be such a gulf in handling between us and them. Mm-hmm. But, like, that only gets you so far. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's the right thing to do from their point of view. And a lot of this comes to their culture where they will, they, they put in a long hours in their school sports. Um, and there's a lo- load of cases where like coaches beat the kids, and people say oh, that's just what sports are. Yes, you listen, coach. It's it's a very negative attitude in some ways. Like they'll practice without water, or they'll practice on tarmac, and they'll do hundreds and hundreds of repetitions, and so that gives you that that skill. But in times past, it meant Japanese, and to lesser degree to Korea as well. They have great skills and great commitment, but they wouldn't come close because they wouldn't be able to deviate from the plan mm. or make, like go off their cuff or change things when you need to. Like now that's again changed a bit because they're they improved and they're much more cohesive as a unit. Not much more cohesive, but they're used to playing with each other against good teams. Mm. Um so, so it's not something that'd be easily re- replicated in that manner. Um Are also playing- like when they got tired, like the the pass has stopped sticking, even for them. Yeah, it's like like if they're playing at a high speed and those risky passes, 
it's great for the first 50 minutes and then well some of that can kind of i saw some people not quite making the excuse but this was their third game back since the world cup so they're kind of maybe a little bit maybe not 100 percent there yeah Um, i would also attribute that as well to uh substitutes coming in like mm. they probably obviously don't have the the depth of squads that other traditional top tier rugby nations would have. So their starting fifteen is probably a good deal more composed, I suppose, skillful, better in many aspects than the substitutes would be. But now you've just rained on my parade, Neil. I, I can't, can't do this anymore. Um, <laughs> just we'll flip it over to Ireland then. Um. Uh, yeah, who I I I I keep wanting to say it. Uh, <laughs> you have uh, like a little siren wherever you say it, where you press. Uh, but yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Who impressed you in the Ireland setup? I tell you who I caught my eye. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Peter O'Mahony, uh, discuss. I thought I thought the back row was good, um, especially in the second half. They were quite good in the second half. First half, they were the only unit in the forwards that could. Lift their head high. I thought them and the Keenan came out of that first half well. I thought that. Yeah, I think Van der Flieger's man of the match was fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Gibson Bark had a good game yeah, longer Gibson. went on, but he had a rough start. I think Carberry seems to have lost. Maybe, maybe never had it. But he seems to have lost a lot of defensive capability. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's lost a lot of everything. Yeah, he and wasn't. He wasn't great. It's probably just because there's that back of the head. Sexton is basically gone. You're you're up the creek without a paddle now, and you're just grasping any straws you can, and you want the next guy to come along to be the second coming. But yeah, and it's only one match, and like how 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 fresh is he and all this? But and how used is he playing with Gibson Park and such? Yeah. Many, many things that you could kind of put a caveat on what I would say was a very underwhelming performance, but uh, no, he, he didn't have it in there. But uh, in terms of like, you look at him versus uh, Burns, I'd still say Carberry probably as a prospect, and I know he's not probably a prospect anymore, but you know, looking to the future, you might have him ahead of Burns, but probably I'd, older than Burns could well be, could well be, but um, roughly similar. You'd you'd look at that and say, he, you know, you would hope he's better than that, and I would think that going into that match, we all would have thought he was capable of more than that. But it's it's a once-off thing, so you know, give him more time and mm. more experience, like against the USA, say whenever that match is on. And like you know. he hadn't he hadn't played for Ireland, I think in was it, is it since the World Cup mm. or yeah, so like. Um, yeah, but I, I think Dave's correct because we all have it. Carberry's injured. Mm. Sexton is aging, and his rest of his placements aren't playing well. Therefore, Carberry's the savior. Yeah, mm. and it looks like even if he is fit, that might not be true. Mm. Yeah, we'll, I'm we'll, tell, actually, we'll we'll get a much better sense of it over the course of like next year, half a year or whatever, than one game. And you have to say, in terms of like what was going on in that game. You know, it was kind of for someone say coming back or who's been out of the system for a while. It was 
frantic enough in terms of like what the opposition were doing to us that you'd kind of say, yeah, I could see how an uh, half who maybe has a bit of rust on him would struggle to match the pace of the game or stamp their their imprint on the game. But some of the things he's doing, like you just kind Oppositions. of were, yeah. The mm. kicks. I think two of his kicks were responsible for Japanese tries, if I remember correctly. Even and one of his kicks was responsible for an Irish try. But to me, like it was a poor kick. I think if you contrast the kicks actually of Japan versus our kicking game, it was a bit stark, really. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think I think like the Japanese I know we went full on with the love for the Japanese, uh, but I think their skills are just honed to a to a fine art like mm. and a lot of their decision making as well when to kick how to use kicks even like the box kicking i thought was to a t nearly perfect that that saito i think was their nine like I, I don't think he was even the starting nine at the last world cup perhaps he was i could be wrong on that but um very impressed with his box kicking like and then you contrast that with I suppose Gibson Park did, wasn't terrible. Like I, I do think he yeah, was a bad start. Really... He's very good at those quick whipping the ball across um, in the twenty-two. Yeah, about... yeah. which mm. caused uh, which got Stockdale's try, I think. Mm. I am. Um, we yeah, just. I think we're in a bit of a weird spot. Just at ten, and I don't know. It'll take time to fix. Mm. Um. um I'm, I'm just looking. More. Yeah, um, well, part of that, uh, well, not part of it, but um, I've heard, written down here, I've some. I've written some dodgy restarts, penalties, and lineouts, um, which I think that kind of links up with Neil's point about second rows. Um, where, Are you blaming the second rows for the poor lineouts? Uh, partially. partially. Like, like the, line-outs. the whole system, is, okay, Kelleher wasn't great, so you know he wasn't he wasn't even great, not great. He was poor in the lighthouse. But when as hookers like that, don't be running people up and down the lineout and then throwing to middle and then losing the ball. Just throw it at two. Mm. It's better yeah. than not getting the ball. Um, I, I think mean, that's part of the Irish like like right the Irish teams aren't that smart. Mm. Um, but like, again, okay, so we've spoken about Kelleher's lineouts pro- yeah. before, and we know this is. Potentially an issue. Like if you contrast him with Herring, yeah. they're they're almost polar opposites in that one is consistent in one area and does average in the other. One is probably below average in one and then great in the other. So like you know, you get one with one and then. But sorry, that's that just sounds awful. But um, like I, we spoke about the learnability of line output ins, yeah. and if you look at the Japanese, I think they had one crooked throw, and that was from their replacement hooker. And I think all their others, all their other lineup put-ins were near perfect. Mm. You, you know, it's it's like a skill that I know you talked about the brutal nature by which they they are taught mm. how to train at a young age. But you know, just just aspects to their game and aspects to probably their sporting culture that we could look at and say, you know, there's things that you can train to a fine art. Mm. Why not do it? And you look at other things. Well, yeah, true. It's not just can we train, it's like what what we prioritize. Well, how many five meter line out crooked throws will it take for someone to take a highly talented guy aside and say the problem is well first of all, 
um, during the Six Nations, there was only a couple of percent in different lineouts mm-hmm. between Kelleher and Herring. Mm-hmm. So, like, do, do you say, okay, 2% or 3%, is that worth what all what, Her- um, all what Kelleher gives you? I think yeah. Kelleher is just so good everywhere else you do. But... <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, like it's just you have to have a you have to hit your targets. Yeah. But I wonder is how much of this is us not playing smart as a team. If you have a hooker that this is his limitations, and the first throw just goes awry, like you have to change it. And it's not great attacking. Um. Off two ball all the time, but I I I don't, I don't know. It's just disappointing for me in the point of view. Yeah, I hope he's better. Was but... I get what you're saying though about the playing smarter or mm. tailoring what you're doing at the lineup yeah. to the hooker that's on the field at that given minute, and yeah, that absolutely makes sense. With like, why do a complicated lineup move with a guy who's just had two crooked throw-ins, and then you're just putting more more for him to think about in that moment? It's yeah, it's not really necessary. But that was one really disappointing aspect of our performance there in that match. I thought. Especially when you contrast it to the Japanese lineup, which mm. on the whole the hooker was on the pitch, by the way. I don't know if you saw it. Like you're not supposed grab- to have your boots on the pitch, but he's like standing fully in it. The Japanese? Mm. Yeah. Criminal. He will be beaten for the lack of <laughs> honor. Oh my god. We we, we got it fifty minutes without a slur or a What? They're big on honor. Everybody knows that. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Um trying to think yeah. Well, I was, I was just going to say, I know I like to rag on Peter Omani, but I actually thought he was um, very good in that game. Yeah. Uh, at key moments, I know the restarts in the second half, he uh, they kept kicking it to him. Again, that's another one. Why, not, why wait for the second half to do that? I know, yeah. Um, but he cleaned them up anyway and got that offload for the try and just was busy, which is good. Um, it was a perfect Peter Omani game, it felt like, where yeah. he could just stamp his little. I don't know, his little pieces of flair throughout while also doing like the, the standard stuff. Mm. I think it's, yeah, we like to be beat on him a lot on here, but you know, it's no, nice I, to see him do well all the same. I do appreciate Yeah, I was disappointed that Coombs didn't start mm. and that took 70 minutes for him to come on. Well, yeah, yeah, I have this written down as well. Um, Ireland subs were a bit weird, uh, but injuries, I know you mentioned it earlier in the, the group. That the injuries kind of screwed up the if they had any plans. Yeah. Um. So just to go through the whole entire mm. selection and injury and sub policy, I think this was a mistake. The entire twenty-three. I thought we could have done a good bit better. I thought I would have had Coom starting. I would have had Balakoon starting. Mm-hmm. I would have had someone maybe like Larry on the bench. I would have had a tool on the bench. Like four years ago, we we had Porter. Uh, Stockdale, Amore, Ryan, all making their debuts, and a few other players. Not too many caps, like in that tour of Japan and USA. Mm. And then the next year, they won the Grand Slam for us. Mm. Now, now we won against Japan, so mission accomplished for Farrell. But it's kind of like and we're not going to learn anything next week when we hammer USA. Mm-hmm. Well, we could if we. Play a lot of youngsters. 
Yeah, but that's the problem. See, you put, you put two bullying youngsters together who are never going to play again in that team together, and you beat a semi-pro team that gets them nothing. Like, so you think getting beaten by Japan would have been a bit see, of learning? Experience. I don't think Coombs like Coombs is Munster's best player this year. Yeah. If I said to you during the during the season, okay, you have choice of Peter Manny or Coombs to play at six. You must win this game. Who do you play? I'd pick on Manny. Gotta you be pick honest. him over. Yeah. Entire season. If it's a must-win situation, I'd pick the established guy. Based on the performance. Based on based on the performance of the last season, you'd say Coombs. But yes. when you put the, the must-win caveat, playing that game now, I, I, still I, I can understand the, the argument for leadership and all. But Coombs was just he was Monsters Player of the Year, I believe. Yeah. Mm. Like so, why not give like it's not even like it's someone like um, even Ryan Baird, who's mm. he's, he's, he's good. But a bit patchy. This guy was good all season, and he was starting all season. So that's, that was just annoying for me. I don't think that, like, John Ryan came on, got lucky not to give away a penalty, Mm-mm. and didn't do anything. Like, what, what does he get out of that game? <laughs> what age is he again? Like, he's about 30 or 30. Or so. yeah. Like, I... he's our fourth choice tight head. Like, we're only going to use him when three people are injured. I did find well, that. Well, we could have given that. someone like O'Toole valuable time. Yeah, it's just frustrating like that, and it's annoying that it took so long for Coombs to come A bit different that Casey came on when, but only like how many seconds left because he's, he's worried about injuries. Mm. That's a bit of a pass, but I think with five minutes left, or even probably longer than that, when we had an eight point lead and we're pretty much seeing that game out, he probably got on with a bit earlier than that. But that's a bit of a quibble compared to the rest of us. I thought that daily probably doomed himself in an Irish church for the rest of his for next year or so everything he yeah. touched was pretty much bad <laughs> like it's, it's, just, it's one of those rare performances where this guy is not cut out for us it's yeah. kind of like low in that Scottish match but for an entire game <laughs> Jesus but that's what it was like I, I, I know, he had some good points in it I suppose it was just like it was just poor really poor from him mm. Um, just like low was poor and you'd have to say like well we have other options now. Let's try them. Mm. And the whole selection side of things. So I think it's impossible to look at this match outside of the context of not shipping two losses in a row against what are seen as historically. Yeah, like there's, there's all these things. I just, I just think that, first of all, I think that that wasn't our strongest team. I thought someone like Coombs and that would improve that team. Mm. So that's that point of view. As their point of view saying, like Peter Manny coming on with three minutes left in a tight game is great. Because he's experienced, like the young guy, you start a young guy, it's not going well. You can always bring on that experience. But say if that was a tight game and he needs to bring on Coombs because Peter Manning was wrecked or whatever, yeah, and he gives away a dumb penalty, like that's that's that's. <laughs> I I just think I get what you're saying with the pick your strongest side, but I think yeah. the how the game panned out actually perfectly vindicated Farrell's selection because. I I think the experience there was uh, key in Ireland not shitting the bed when Japan were going crazy with all their attack and all. Like I don't know, it just seems like they really put it up to us and going with perhaps like more. The game was the, the longer the winning game went on, the better it was for us, and that includes our subs coming on. Mm. Yeah. Um. Just before, I know we're, we're running out of time a little bit. Um, 
I think you, you've kind of hinted at it with them. Um, I just I kind of want to do just a quick, tiny preview of who would you like to see in that USA game? Um, on the kids, whatever, doesn't matter. Give the, give, give the one capped guys a cap. Okay. Balakoon um, and Larry, Larry maybe. Um, Hume. Yeah. Tell you who I don't want to see. Harry Brown. Okay. Alton Delan, Shane Daly, Joey Carey. No, we kind of need to have Joey Carey in there. But um, no, I do, I do think there was a few performances in that Japanese match where I looked and I just said, no, I don't, I don't particularly want to see that person again. Um, yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. That'd be great um, if you were the coach. Um, yeah, I don't really want to see you again. <laughs> it, it's not me, it's you. <laughs> One thing I will say is, does it annoy anyone else how commentators tend to get a thing in their head about a certain player as a prospect and just cream themselves over every little thing they do. They have the narrative. Yeah, it's like the Ryan Baird. Oh, he's so good. Like, in fairness, just... he was very good. He was, the he best was, he was good. Ireland. But it's like he'll do a not impressive thing and I'll be like, oh my God, he's so good. <laughs> you just like, he's building all everything else he's doing. <laughs> it, it, I don't know, it just rankles me. And uh, same in the under 20s as well, I think. Mm. Uh, well, uh, yeah. that kind of that kind of leads us to the last section, just kind of a general roundup. Um, I've written down here. I know you were saying the under twenties there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got beaten by England. Um, I watched most of that game. Uh, so far the ones that have really stood out to me uh, are Kendallin and Soroka. Um, they look they look like they're very interesting prospects. What about um, Doak? I don't know. Like I got kicking nine. Oh, Doke was excellent. I've Doke. mixed, I've mixed feelings about Doak. Uh, I think Doke almost was my Irish player. Like it's, uh, I don't know. Um, I just felt he was a, a, a tad like a tick slow. Um, but maybe he's that's not, more... he's not Casey. He's not Casey where it's, but he's an all round game. He's like a, a Murray. But yeah, that that's that's the kind of thing. I think it's more my bias against. I I like my scrum halves to just be yeah. like wicked fast and. Um, yeah. So, and like you're saying, he's not Casey. So, Casey's still fresh in my mind for the under twenty. I think he's better than Casey, to be honest. Um, well, time will see. Yeah. I did. Well, I, I prefer Casey though. But the uh, man kicks goals. That's such a. I don't know. Maybe I overrate that in people, but it just seems like he can do it all and to a very high level. So, just yeah. on the match, I watched the first half where I I went to a pub quiz, um, but it was. We didn't take our chances. Um, mm. And against a team of the size of England, you have to. But like, it, it was a very brave performance considering that um, I, th- I thought that they were going to get hammered because mm. England were starting to rumble. And it would be very easy just to put the heads down and let England put 40 past you and score like constellations, right? But they, they didn't come back into it necessarily on the scoreboard front, but they, they kept it alive. I think if they had a, a 10, like if they had Byrne or he, Haley, like one of the 10s of the past 20s, under 20s, they might have a better chance. Mm. That's the weakness of the squad. But like there seems to be players there that will definitely step up at pro level and some will step up at international level, hopefully. So like, that's all you really want from the under 20 level. Mm. Just on the uh, the 10s, I think uh, Humphreys is, was one of them. 
he was playing in the first match I saw yeah, against Wales. Injured, against against Scotland, yeah. Scotland. He he looked horrifically undersized for the... Uh, I'm not standard. even talking about size. I think if he wasn't the son of a of an ex-player, he would be nowhere near that team in terms of his skills. He looked way off the pace. And yeah, mm-hmm. he's also very smart to boot. So I don't know. I, I'd be remiss to say we won't see him again. But uh, yeah, I talked to a guy who then replaced him in that match and has been playing at 10 since. I don't know his name, but... Cor- Corkery. Corkery, if that is his name. <laughs> Chalk and cheese, by comparison, I think uh, he offers so much more. Like I, I think he's very unimpressive. Do you? Yeah, I wasn't blown away by Corkery. He, he makes the wrong decisions in my mind. And he's just, he's just not there. He's not and the level needed. I, I, I think I'd throw out the huge caveat that... Um, they're all under twenties, so yeah. like there's yeah. huge uh, outcomes possible for all of them. Um, range of outcomes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, there's players who excel at this level and never do, yeah. do anything, and there's players who bear, may not even get under twenty uh, caps and in the mm. pros, but most of the time you can see the good players. Yeah, no, like, the, the, it's I think it's an exercise in the the very. It's kind of like when they use the scouting terms, like it's like. Kendallin is an easy scout because it's like, okay, this guy's just really, really good. Oh. Or and you a good captain see... as well. That must be added. Yeah. You can talk to refs. Like, if I was Munster fan, I'd be looking for Kendallin to get some serious game time next season. See what see what he's like. I wonder if he will end up at seven. Because mm. he's not, for a pro, the hugest. Like, mm. Compared to him against some of the, um, the English lads, like, obviously, they're monsters at this day of us. Like considering you have him at seven, you could have Amani at six and Coombs at eight. It's a uh, it's definitely one to watch. Uh, is there anything else before we round up that you guys saw during the week? Or I really, aside from the continuing injury travails of Orgy Snyman. Mm, yeah, he has to get a skin graft, and he is highly doubtful to make the series. But they're saying he might be back, probably will be back for the Rugby Championship and November Internationals. So if I was a Munster fan, putting on my pessimistic hat, he might get injured in them and that's the end of his two-year contract with them. So He's cursed. I don't know about that, but yeah. It's uh, frustrating, I imagine, for him. Very frustrating. there any anyone else uh, i think that's oh yeah new zealand hammered tonga that was yeah, the other that, that game probably shouldn't have went ahead yeah that 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 was grim to watch um yeah first time i've seen a team put up 100 in a decent time so uh okay we'll leave it there cool okay bye everyone <laughs>